Porch, how we doing? Come on. Come on. Man, pumped to be with you guys. Pumped to be with you guys as we continue this series. Uh, if you're listening somewhere around the world, you're tuned in, you're at another campus in some other city, we're so glad uh, you're with us this evening as well. Hey, who knows what this is? I heard it, I heard it, I heard one. I heard, I heard magic band. That's what that is, magic band. You're like, I don't, still don't know what that is. Uh, this is how you get into Disney World, right there. Just got back. It's not just how you get into Disney World. This is like your credit cards on here. It's how you buy things at Disney World. It's how you get in your hotel room at Disney World. It's how you get on rides at Disney World, your fast passes. This is the all access pass to Disney World. And guess who just got to go? Yes, I did. And so I was there for a conference and, uh, and I got to take somebody with me. So that meant I had to choose which child was my favorite. And um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But I, I, I took my daughter Finley with me and we just had this amazing time, this sweet uh, daddy-daughter date to Disney World. And what that meant is like, I knew I was gonna go like six months ago. And so I told her, you know, sat her down. And her birthday was around this time. And I just said, guess what? You're gonna go on a trip with daddy to Disney World. Like this is, and so every day for the past six months, she's come up and is like, Daddy, we're going to Disney World, you know, and, and what is it going to be like? And tell me about it. Are we going to do this? Are we going there? What, you know, and, and, and when she would be sad in the past six months, like something would happen, it's like, hey, Finley, we're going to Disney World, you know, you don't need to be sad. We're going to Disney World. Everything is going to be okay. And so, you know, she would start asking me these questions, come home every day and whatnot. And then sometime in that process, Disney's genius because you start getting emails. Hey, you need to choose your hotel, choose what parks you're going to go to, choose your rides. And then you get this box in the mail, you open it up, there's the magic bands. And so it's just like this long six month celebration. And then we go, we fly out to Orlando and um, we're driving to the park. And, and as we get there, you know, we see this sign. Here's the, you know, it's like the welcome to Disney World sign. And, and so, but from that sign, so we're in my truck, from that sign, you're still like five miles out. The property's so big. And so you drive to a parking lot. And, uh, and then on that parking lot, you, you get on this like golf cart trolley thing. And so that takes you to this other place where you get on a monorail. That's cool. And, uh, and then you take the monorail to this other gate where you walk uh, about 27 more miles to another gate and you get in the park. And so, so lots of anticipation to build up. And so with every change of vehicle, it's just like the anticipation. Are we there? Or is it going to be, hey, are we there yet? Okay. Oh, no, we got to take this. Okay. Are we there? And the anticipation just keeps building building and building and building. And I'm looking at my little girl and she is so excited about going to the magic kingdom. And I thought, why am I not ex that excited to get into God's kingdom? Like why do I not every single day in the same way that she's been consumed with the thoughts that she's going to the magic kingdom, this temporary place with some roller coasters and I'm going to eternity with God in paradise where there's no pain. There was a lot, there's no crying. There was a lot of children crying in Disney World, in the Magic Kingdom. The happiest place on earth was not so happy. And, uh, and I get to go to heaven with God. Why am I not as excited as she is? What's wrong with me? In, in the same way that it could just make her feel better in a moment, why don't I find that much relief that I'm gonna be with God? 
And so we're in this series, The Afterlife. And tonight I want to talk about a right response to heaven. Because sometimes I think there's things that we want here more than we want heaven. Maybe you want a relationship more than you want heaven. Maybe you want to get married more than you want heaven. Maybe you want a job or success here or or to build your life here more than you want heaven. Some people say, they're like, yeah, I want to go to heaven, but not right now. To which I think is crazy. Like if we truly understood it, and I'm like, no, I want to go right now. And I've even had conversations with guys where they're like, yeah, but JP, don't you want to walk your girls down the aisle? First, you know, don't you want to see them walk down the aisle? I'm like, yeah, do I? yes, I'd love to see my girls walk down the aisle. I'd rather be with Jesus, you know? Like, do I want to be at a wedding that I'm paying for or, or his wedding, you know? I mean, the, the wedding of the bridegroom, like, I'd rather be there. Like, I want to live with that anticipation that affects, that, that impacts everything I do. I want to think about eternity like that. And I think if we really understood what it was, we would, we would do that. And so um, just a quick review. Uh, we're in this series, The Afterlife. The first week we talked about hell out of Luke 16. We talked about how it was like eternal FOMO with severe pains, the worst thing imaginable. And then we talked about heaven. Two weeks ago, David talked about how heaven is the realization of, of everything you've ever wanted in this world. That that is just a, a really a yearning for heaven. And then Todd talked about living for eternity last week, and I want to talk about today a right response to heaven. That, that when we understand what it is, we leverage our resources. We want others there, and, and we will build the kingdom. We're committed to building the kingdom here. So those are the three things we're going to cover. It's going to be more topical in nature, but I want to give you this one verse out of Matthew to set it up. It's the words of Jesus, because he says this in Matthew 13. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like now, what's he going to say? Like, if you, if you got that on a test, it was like the kingdom of heaven is like blank, and you had to fill in the blank, what would you say? Like, you, what's Jesus, who, who's been there, right, eternity past, he's going to tell us what heaven is like. He's going to say, the kingdom of heaven is like the most beautiful place you've ever seen. The kingdom of heaven is like an amazing, all-inclusive vacation. The kingdom of heaven is like sex. Um, the kingdom of heaven is like some earthly pleasure. The kingdom of heaven is like chocolate. What's he going to say? How would he fill in the blank? This is what he says. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all that he had, and he bought that field. That's a confusing answer to what is the kingdom of heaven like? What's, what's heaven like? Well, it's like a man who found a treasure chest and a field and he goes and he sells everything that he has in his joy and he goes and he buys that field. I'm, I'm confused. Jesus, when he tells us what heaven is like, he, he's like, there's no words to describe heaven. Let me just explain your response to heaven. That if you really understood what heaven was like, you'd do anything you could to get there. You would lose everything in this world for the sake of getting there. You would want to get there at all cost. I, I like this analogy because I understand like real estate investing. You know, Dallas is, is not a pretty place. Lots of pretty people, um, but we've got no ocean. We've got no mountains. And, and so we just kind of invest in businesses and property and real estate is a big thing here. And so as you think about real estate investing, like I, I read this article this past week. This is really the metaphor Jesus is giving us. It's like, hey, heaven is this place that if you could buy it, 
you would, you would take great joy to doing whatever you could to buy it. Uh, there was an island, the most eastern island of Japan. It's called Marcus Island. I saw it in the news this week. Anybody see this? Here, here's a picture of it. Um, it's only one square kilometer. It's a rather small island. Uh, about 350 acres there, Marcus Island. And, and so maybe you could have bought that a couple of weeks ago, maybe for a million dollars, if you had a million dollars. You could maybe buy that piece of land for a million dollars. But last week, they found out that there are $500 billion of natural elements on that island. $500 billion of natural resources on that island. Here's what that meant, means. That if you could have bought it for a million dollars, you'd now be the wealthiest person on the planet Earth by five times. Bill Gates is worth about 90 million, uh, 90 billion rather you'd be worth 500 billion. And so if you could buy that island, even though you don't have a million dollars, you would go beg, borrow, and steal and do everything you can to get there. And Jesus says, this is what heaven's like. Let me talk about your response to it. And so the first thing that I want to bring to your attention is a right response to heaven. You would leverage your resources you would leverage your resources. What do I mean by resources? I mean your time, your talents, your treasures, your money, the things you know, relationships that you have, and stuff that you've purchased. You would leverage it all for the sake of the kingdom. Right? Jesus says this in Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. What if I just stop there? What if we just took that command at face value? Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. I wonder what that means. I don't think it's complicated. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My friend was visiting England. This was a while ago and, and he brought back 100 English pounds worth about 100 American dollars at the time, and he did so because he wanted to kind of play the exchange rate. And several years go by, and that 100 English pounds became uh, worth uh, 180 American dollars. That's an 80% return on his money. So his friends were laughing at him when he brought the 100 English pounds back, but uh, now you know he's laughing at them because he's made an 80% return on his investment. So he goes, he's going back over there, overseas, and so he's gonna take it with him to get his money back, and he goes in the drawer, and literally the bills had been eaten by moths. Literally. And so I reached out to him last night and I just said, hey, can I tell this story? Is that true? And he said, yeah, let me go in the drawer and see what I can collect for you. Here, here is pictures of what he had left in his drawer of 100 English pounds. It literally was eaten by moths. I mean, can you live more the words of Jesus? And I think we think, hey, we're going to save our money, you know, for a rainy day or we're going to, you know, buy things that we want, uh, shoes and bags and trinkets and treasures. And, and, and some of you are like, man, I'm not, I don't have anything to invest. You know, I just got like $100,000 in student loans. And, and, uh, 
And to you, I would say, right, but what's your plan to get to a place where you can be generous? Because right now you're a slave to the borrower. How are you moving toward, what's your plan to get to a place where you can begin to invest in eternity? And, and some of you, you're like, like yeah, I've got, I've got a bunch of student loans, but I also got an iPhone. Oh, wow. You know, I, 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 how many shoes are in your closet? How many bags do you have? What do you drive? Why that car? What are you trying to tell the world about you? I'm the most generous person that's ever lived. I believe in another world. I believe I'm here temporarily and God is gonna take me somewhere forever or I'm someone who has accessorized my life. I, I understand this. Um, I want you to know it's never gonna get easier. The way that you spend now is how you're gonna spend later. The way that you save now is how you're gonna save later and the way you invest now is how you're going to invest later. And I am like a master at justifying saving money. I'm really, really good at it. Because I can think about, like, all, I, I've got three kids now. You know, wow, like, they showed up on the scene, these three, like, three, I can just think, hey, college, for each of them, there's going to be, like, 100 grand each. So that means that I at least need to be three, have 300 grand in, in the bank. Like, that, that's going to take me forever to save that. And, and certainly that's a responsible dad because they've got three kids and they've got to go to college. And I don't want them to have student loans. So that's, I can easily justify that, right? And then I can think of retirement. I'm not always going to be able to work. Like, what's, what if something happens to me and I can't work and I, I become, uh, get to retirement age and then I'm going to have to have something to live on so that my kids don't have to support me? So I can justify it that way. And then there's this thing called an emergency fund. You know, I should, have, I should have six months' salary in the bank. And so I can get to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars that, that I need to have in the bank, you know, just because I'm, I'm a good Christ follower. I can justify it. Can I ask you a question? Under the banner of that emergency fund, whose emergency? Whose emergency am I saving for? Are, are there not emergencies all around me? Are there, not, are there not people with needs all around me and yet I'm, you know, they have nothing and I have and I'm saving because I've got these, you know, I'm hoarding God's resources at Wells Fargo, right? Like, and people all around me have needs. I'll just give you some, like 7.6 million people die every year from malnutrition. That's 21,000 brothers and sisters God's children died today, 21,000. Why? Because they didn't have food to eat. But I've got an emergency fund just in case I get in a bind. Just in case I, I get in some trouble. UNICEF said that 1.2 million children are trafficked every year. Is that an emergency? 1.2 million children sold for labor forces or raped for profit. But I might have an emergency. Not to mention that there are about 60 million abortions worldwide every year, 60 million. Those numbers are like made up. They're like fantasy numbers, 60 million. Children dying. 
maybe there's an emergency, like sirens going off. Like maybe followers of Jesus should be like, okay, man, I'm just going to start living my life. Like I'm going to go home and be with God forever and start having a lot of fun meeting the needs around me in the name of Jesus Christ. We can't go on with closets full of shoes and our brothers and sisters go shoeless investing in bags and in guns and in hobbies and vehicles and clothes and toys and missed out on what I call the adventure of generosity. That's what you're missing out on, the fun of giving away God's money, holding it like this. After that first day in the Magic Kingdom with my daughter Finley, we were coming back, it was about 9 p.m., it was after her bedtime, but we hadn't eaten dinner yet, I know, dad of the year. And, um, and, we, and so I asked her, I'm like, where do you want to eat? And we passed a waffle house. And the word waffle got her. And so she's like, I'd like to eat there. And they serve waffles. And, and, uh, and so I U-turn and we go back to the waffle house. And, and I had never been to one. And we sat down and, and um, it was a wonderful, delightful place. And, and, uh, and the lady, you know, the server, the waitress, Evelyn, comes over and she sits down. I mean, not sits down. <laughs> she didn't sit down. But uh, she, she stood up and... Uh, and, and she was kind, and we had dialogued with her, and, and I was praying for the meal, and she brought our food, and she stood there and prayed with us, and I said amen, and she said amen, and, and I got to talk to Evelyn about her faith, and, uh, and then it came time to, to pay, you know, and our, our bill was like $11, Waffle House, the bargain of the century, and, um, and I go to the counter, and there's, there's two other women behind the counter, one of them's kind of jail tattoos all up her arms, had a rough life, and I got to engage her, and we got to talk about the gospel, and, and I'm sitting there with Finley, and she's like, Daddy, are you ready to go? And I look at Finley, I'm like, hey, you wanna have some fun? And she's like, yeah, I always wanna have fun. Are we going back to Disney World, what are we doing? And I'm like, I'm like, watch this, and so I go, and I write down on the tip, I write down $100, and I, and I write down, Jesus loves you, and, and, um, and we get to, and I just like, okay, come on, let's go, and leave it on the counter, and, and we're leaving, but, but as we leave, Finley turns around, and she's like, oh, daddy, you should have seen her face. You should have seen her face. Like her, she goes, and she kept like making the face. She goes, <gasps> she goes, daddy, she goes like this. <gasps> and then she, and, uh, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. Daddy, you should have seen her face. She just kept saying that over and over. It was funny because I learned something about my daughter because she didn't know how this tipping thing works because we got in the car. And she's like, so what is that? Like, you're just telling her how good. And I was like, well, no, that's, that's money. She's like, whose money? I'm like, our money. She's like, our money. Where are we going to get that money? I don't know. <laughs> We'll borrow it from David or something, you know. Uh, and, and here's the crazy thing. She comes home. She returns back to Dallas to see my wife, her mom, Monica, and, and her siblings, Weston and Presley. And, and, and they're like, Finley, how was Disney World? And she's like, guys, you should have seen this lady's face. That's what she wanted. The, the flight of the Avatar. You know, animal kingdom, do you see the animals? You go on the ride, you meet the princess of the prey. Guys, you should have seen this lady's face. We got to tip her $100. And it was so much fun. It's an adventure. What do I do? JP, what are you asking me to do? Here's what I'm asking you to do. You ready? I'm gonna make it as clear as I can. Do something with your resources that would be completely irresponsible if there was no heaven. Do that. Do that today and do that tomorrow, and do that the next day, until you wake up there, and you get to enjoy those investments forever, and ever, and ever, and ever. And the reason we shared with those ladies is, 
because we want them there with us. And that's the second thing when you have a right response to heaven, you want others there with you. That's my second point, you want others there with you. Let me read you from the scriptures, Philippians chapter one, verses 21 through 24. Paul says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Here you have Paul saying, I want heaven, but not yet. But not because he wants to go visit Thailand or Hawaii or, or he wants to get married or experience sex. He's saying, hey, I don't want to go to heaven yet because I don't want you to go to hell. I don't wanna to go to heaven yet because I'm gonna stay here in fruitful labor, ministering according to the gospel so that others can be there with me. He says this in his letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter nine, to the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. If you can go to Disney World and you can invite someone with you, that's a good day. Like for me to get to know that I'm gonna sit my children down and, and I'm gonna, to, to one of them, I can say, hey, you get to go with me. That's a good day. Like who doesn't wanna go to the Magic Kingdom? And likewise, you have an invitation far better than the Magic Kingdom. Why don't you use it? When did you stop believing it was good? When did you stop believing that the good news was actually good news? That you can go to someone and say, hey, do you want to go and be with God forever in paradise with me? And you can invite them. And you can do it all the time. It's free to invite people. And you think, but, but they're going to think I'm crazy. No, they're going to know you're right. One day, one day, they're going to know you were right. Even if they think you're crazy. Every knee's gonna bow and every tongue's gonna confess. So you can share with the confidence with your coworker and, and with that family member and with that neighbor and that guy across the hallway and that one that, that you play softball with. You say, hey, I, I wanna invite you somewhere. Where? Heaven. Yo, bro, what, what do you mean? No, 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 not like that. I mean, one day. Can we talk about Jesus? And it's the same, it's more fun. It's more fun than looking your third grader in the eyes and saying, you wanna go to Disney World with daddy? It's more fun. It's far better. And you're gonna see some fruit. Most likely, you're, you're gonna see some return on that investment. What would you do to get everyone you love to heaven? See, I think we're like, yeah, but man, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I'd encourage you to read this book, you know, because it doesn't, it doesn't just say like, hey, share if you have the gift of evangelism. Like, it's not like, hey, if you're gifted in evangelism, those are the people I want sharing the gospel and no one else. That's not what the book says. It makes it much more like, hey, anyone who is going to heaven is, is constantly inviting others there too, that you're bringing them in. Like It's like if I see you standing in the road and there's a car headed for you 
and, and I'm going to push you out of the way to save your life. But I'm like, I don't really have the gift of saving lives. It's not really where I'm gifted. You know? And so I would watch you die because that's not my gifting. I don't have to have the gift of saving lives. I just have to believe you're going to be hit by a car if I don't push you out of the way. And all you have to believe is that they might go to hell if God hasn't chosen to use you to save them. And you can share with them with the confidence that they're knowing. Like we, hell is a motivator. It's a real thing. It's a real motivator for us in evangelism. And it's, I'm okay with that. We talked about hell the other day, how it's like, it's like eternal FOMO with pain. In Luke 16, the rich man sees Lazarus and he sees that Lazarus is in heaven and he wants to be there. And he's like, hey, go tell my family. You know? And I, I forgot about a story that I should have shared that night, but I'm gonna share it right now. Uh, see, I've actually been to Disney World before. I went in the fifth grade. Uh, the church uh, group that I was going to, they, they went to Disney World. And so I had never been out of Texas. This is my first time out of Texas. We got on a bus and, and we're going to Disney World. Amazing for a fifth grader. And, uh, and we get there and I'm standing in line for a roller coaster and something terrible happened in my stomach. Okay, I can't explain it, but I mean the worst pain that you could ever imagine right here. And I doubled over. In fact, I collapsed on the ground and I'm in the fetal position at, in the middle of Disney World. It's okay to laugh. Okay, and so they come in. You ready? This is where it gets kind of crazy. They come in with a stretcher, okay, in Disney World. And they take me out. And not, not out of the park. See, they've got a hospital in Disney World. I know. I've seen it with my own eyes. It's under the ground. I'm serious right now. I'm not making this up. Okay? You're underground. I'm in this hospital bed in Disney World, in Mickey's place, in the Magic Kingdom, you know? And, and I'm looking out the window, and I can hear the laughter of children, and I can hear the rides and the screams of excitement while I'm screaming in pain in Disney World. I can't enjoy it. I'm hurt there. Hell is way worse than that forever don't let anyone go there do whatever you can say whatever you can go wherever you need to so that they don't go there we share with them and so I say that because they're going to see you in heaven you know that's what Luke 16, it, it paints this picture where it's like, they're going to know and they're going to be like, why didn't you tell me? Or they're going to be like, man, I'm so, I, I wish I would have listened. I wish I would have listened. I, um, I was in the gym two weeks ago and I met a guy named Pablo. He had just moved here from uh, Puerto Rico. And Pablo's a big, kind of scary guy, again, tatted up and he, he's no stranger to the gym. Dude was yoked and, uh, and we we're talking and, uh, and I was like, what did you eat for breakfast? But, uh, dude, and so we're talking, and, and I'm, I'm asking him about a faith, his faith. And I, I use the Kennedy questions when I share the gospel. I say, hey, between 1 and 10, 10 being certain, 1 being not so sure. If you were to die today, how certain are you that you go to heaven? And he said, a 2. And, and, I, said, um, and I said, well, why a 2? And he said, man, I've just, I've just done some things, bro. I've just done some things. And I always think when I ever hear, when somebody looks at the terrible things they've done, I always think about the Apostle Paul, you know, who's killed people. And so what I always do in response to that, I'm like, hey, let me ask you a question. How many people have you killed? And uh, to which he's, he's like, 
I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. Okay, stop, stop, don't count. Uh, okay, hold on, how many women and children, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, oh, that backfired. And so, okay, you're a bad guy. You've done some things. Uh, wow, okay, okay, all right. Let me rethink this, let me rethink this. And, and, I, and I start to talk about Jesus' payment. And like, that's how we get in. It's, Je- it's Jesus' payment. And, and, and so as I'm sharing the gospel with him, He's like, he, this is what he says. He goes, that's amazing. I'm like, Jesus paid. See, if Jesus paid your way to get in, then the only thing you can do in hell is pay for your sins. If Jesus paid for your sins, then you can't pay for your sins. You can be a 10. Because Jesus paid for your sins, he's like, he goes, JP, that's amazing. That's amazing. I was like, awesome. So I, I left there like, dude, I'm the best evangelist ever. And, um, and I went back, I went back last week and as I saw Pablo, Pablo, what's up, man? Hey, let me ask you a question, bro. Between one and 10, 10 being certain, one being not so sure. If you died today, how certain are you that you go to heaven? He said, mm, I think I'd be a two. Pablo, what? I'm like, what's up, man? And he goes, I, you know, I said, why? I said, let me ask you a question, why a two? I said, man, I've just done some things, man. I've done some things. I've done some things. I said, I know you've done some things, Pablo, but Jesus paid for those things. That's what I need you to do. I need you to understand Jesus paid for those things, so you can't pay for those things. The only thing you can do in hell is pay for those things, but Jesus already paid for those things. Pablo, let me tell you a story, man. The other day I was getting my hair cut. I was getting my hair cut. I was at the, the barber shop. I was getting faded up, and I was, he was done, and, and I paid him. I paid him, and then I walked out. And as I walked out, someone was walking in. And it was a porchy. It was somebody that goes to the porch. We're walking in, and they go to the barber, and they say, hey, let me ask you a question. Was that, was that JP? And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, his name was JP. And he, they said, oh, I want to pay for his haircut. I said, Pablo, what do you think the barber said? And he said, well, he probably said it was, it was paid for. And what if that guy said, no, but I want to pay for his haircut. I'm sorry, it's already been paid for. You can't pay for something that's already been paid for. What are you going to do in hell? It's already been paid for, Pablo. It's already been paid for, friend. You, you get to leave this place and tell people that their sins have been paid for. Everything they've done wrong has been paid for. That's amazing, great, fantastic, incredible, good news. Leave here and tell them that. Who do I tell? Everyone. Tell everyone that. Everyone you can. Everyone you talk to. Everyone you see. You just want me to tell everyone? Why not? Go to heaven and let God be like, hey, you were a little overzealous down there. (laughs) You didn't have to tell everybody. I mean, that would be the best correction ever, but I don't think it's going to happen. You know what I think he's going to say? I bet a hunch he's going to look you in the eyes. He's going to say, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. You got it. You knew this place was real. You lived like this place was real. It's almost like you believed you were going to come here. It's almost like you believed that I paid for you to get here. And so we're ambassadors of Jesus' kingdom. We're, We're representatives, the scripture calls us, of that kingdom here in this world. The third, the, the third thing that you do when you have a right response to heaven is you build the kingdom. Like you begin literally, literally, like this is, this is why you're like, why am I alive? Why am I here? <laughs> you get to 
bring heaven here. You get to display it in your life as an ambassador from that place in this place. You get to display it through your good deeds done in the name of Jesus Christ. Through your sharing, let me read a scripture to you. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 through 15. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. One day, all of our investments and expenditures and use of times will be seen for what they are either earthly investments or eternal investments. They will be things that we get to enjoy forever in in eternity with God, or they will be things that are burned up as God destroys the world by fire. And the things that you've done in the name of Jesus as representations, as evidence of your faith, you living out your faith will last forever. And you will get to enjoy those things forever. And you get to display the kingdom here. Let me explain it like this, because so you remember that, that God destroyed the earth one day by what? Remember in the past? By water, by a flood. It was in the day of Noah. And remember there was this crazy man who built an ark, and everyone thought that he was crazy. He's building an ark. It's never rained. Most likely it had never rained. He's building a giant boat in the middle of nowhere, and everyone thinks he's a madman. And he gets to invite people on that boat, specifically God's chosen people, his family. And God's wrath comes down in the form of water. And everyone on that boat, which Noah built, was lift, they were lifted up and preserved. And then when God's wrath was finished, they were set back down and they existed. What he had built in the name of God lasted. And in the same way, and I can't explain exactly how this is going to happen. The things that you do here in Jesus' name, God's wrath is going to come down in the form of fire now. Your works are going to be lifted up. People that you've shared the gospel with will be preserved, or who have trusted in the gospel will be preserved. The good things that you've done in Jesus' name, they will be preserved. And then, and then they'll be set back down. And then Jesus, King Jesus, will come back and he will finish the job. And heaven will be here on this earth. This is where heaven will be. This is where it will be forever but it will be a perfect place. It will be a place of no weeping, no mourning, no tears, no cancer, no sadness, no death, no breakups, no broken hearts. And it will be beautiful, perfect in every way. And so this is where we'll be. And you get to begin to build that place with your life today. You can leave here and begin to build heaven here. You remember, remember how people thought Noah was crazy? They're going to think you're crazy. When they see the way that you spend your money that's different than the world, they're going to think you're crazy. When you're sharing the gospel everywhere you go, they're going to think you're crazy. When you're building the kingdom, they're going to think you're crazy, but it's, they're going to know one day. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, you remember this? He said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. 
Guys, Jesus was an amazing financial advisor. Like anybody here have a degree in finance? Show of hands. Degree in finance. Raise your hand wherever you're at if you're listening. Degree in finance, okay. There's like three of you here. Wow, we're really poor. Um, okay. Uh, you guys know then, at least the three of you know, that, <laughs> that you can, if you can invest in something that, that lasts forever and, and you earn eternal dividends, like that's just a great investment, right? Or you can invest in something temporary. That's a foolish investment. Like, let, me, let me show you what I mean. Like if, let me just, like this, this thing right here, this rope. Can we, can we pretend for a moment that this is a timeline? And let's just, let's imagine that it goes on forever, this timeline. It doesn't, I mean, it's tied to this beam over there. But, but imagine with me, use your imagination that this thing lasts forever, that it goes on forever and ever. And so like right here, this is the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, you know, and you, you move on. You have Noah and, and Moses and Abraham and, and like George Washington. And then here you get to this, this dot. You see with this, that's your 76 years. That's what you got. You, that's your 80 years. I don't know how long you have. 60 years, maybe 100 years. That's, that's you. This is where you're born, and this is your tombstone. This is where you die. And this in between, that's your life. And so you have a decision as you leave, leave here. Are you going to live your life for your life? Or are you going to live your life for that line? For the forever. You, you get to choose. It's not crazy, though. You're not crazy to begin to take this life and invest in that place. In the forever and ever and ever. I know you got real problems today. You know, boy problems or girl problems or work problems or boss problems. But I got to tell you, a hundred years from now, those aren't going to be your problems. And you can live for what really matters right now. I mean, just tell me logically I'm wrong. Like, tell me I'm crazy. I mean, here's what you can tell me. The best thing you got. Oh, JP, nobody lives like that. Fine. You know, only Noah lived like that. There's only one. Be the only one. What do you want me to do? I want you to live a life that appears to the world to be completely irresponsible if there is no eternity, if there is no heaven. I want you to go all in with Jesus. Like, not any kind of lukewarm madness. No, like my life and church. You know, I know some of you, your biggest problems, you love the bar, you love the club, you love Coke, you love alcohol, you love the party, you love sex, you love pornography, you're stuck in sin, you can't even imagine this life I'm presenting to you. I promise you, it's better than your silly life. It's better than your silly life. I know what I said, I said it intentionally, it's better than your silly life. Uh, some of you, you get it, you inspire me. Let me just say that. I'm so proud of some of you. It, it would be a miss not to just encourage the brothers and sisters in the faith that are getting after. You're serving at Brother Bill's. You're going on unashamed weekend every chance you get. You're giving away your money. You're sharing the gospel with coworkers and family members, and you've lost it all for his sake. What does it gain a man? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? If anyone wants to come after me, he must first deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. 
must lose his life for the sake of the kingdom. Some of you have lost your life for the sake of the kingdom. I'm so proud of you. You inspire me. I, wanna, I want to follow Jesus like you do. Thank you for your example. And some of you, you need to flip the switch. You need to realize that your biggest problems aren't your biggest problems. You've got much bigger problems you haven't even anticipated. And, and Jesus paid for your problems. But live like that. And so a right response to eternity is to leverage your resources. When you have a right response to eternity, you want others there. And when you have a right response to eternity, you build the kingdom. We got the magic bands, you know. They came in the mail. such a big, you know, fun, like, just to look at the way they do this. We got the magic bands. We're getting in. We got the magic bands. You know what we didn't do when we got the magic bands? We didn't sit on our hands and let the moment come and go. Like this was just the beginning. What we began to do when we got the magic bands is we began to look into hotels and resorts on the property, choose where we're gonna go, which parks we're gonna go to. There's several parks there. Which one do we wanna go to? We got to look into this thing called fast passes. Like this is crazy. You basically gotta go to a college and able to, go in it, to be able to go to Disney to like learn how to do it because it's really complicated. And so you, you start booking these fast passes and, and, and so we started to do that and, and then we bought our airfare and our, our, we planned our flights and that's start to pull up maps to see how far we were from the resort was from the park and we began to plan the trip we began to you know what we began we began to prepare we began to prepare for what we were going to right like that's what we started to do this is what it means to know that you're going to to the kingdom to God's kingdom you begin to prepare He's prepared a place for you there and you per, you're preparing to go to it. Every day of your life, it consumes your thoughts. You think about it and it impacts the conversations that you have. When you really believe that you're going to heaven, you really literally believe you're gonna be there forever and ever. It impacts everything that you do here, the way that you spend, the way that you share, the conversations you have, what you do at the Thanksgiving table, everything. What you do for fun, the way that you date, what you look at, everything. You prepare. And we get there. And you put this little thing, there's this circle, we're going into the park, and you put this on there, on that little circle, and it turns green, and you're going in. But let's just say that guy said to my little girl, hey, little girl, hey, hey, little girl, Finley, wait, wait, why do you think you can go here? Why should I let you in? I got a magic band. Did you pay for it? No, my daddy who loves me paid for it. My daddy paid for it. My daddy paid my way in. That's all I got. My daddy who loves me paid my way in. Can I tell you something? The only way you're going to get into heaven is by acknowledging that your father in heaven who loves you paid your way in with the death and the resurrection of his son Jesus. That's all you got to boast in, period. Nothing else. As you say, by grace alone. You know what you can't do in heaven? You can't leverage your resources to get others there. You can't invite anybody there because they're already there. And you can't build the kingdom that's already been built. These are three things you can't do in heaven. But you can do them today. You can do them tonight and you can do them tomorrow and you can do them every day for the rest of your life. I'm gonna pray that you would. But Lord, would you give us that courage? 
Help us to live with that purpose. Help us to understand what you called us to do. Help us not to live for the mark on the line, but for the line. Help us to invest in your kingdom, in your eternity. Help us to leverage our resources to get other people there. Help us to invite them with our words that we would share the gospel. Lord, would you help us with our hands and our feet and our hearts? Would you help us to build the kingdom here, God? Would you please, would you, would you raise up an army? We're not an audience, God. We're an army of your followers. In the name of Jesus Christ, would you use our lives, God, for your glory, for your honor, because of your power? Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. In the name of Jesus, we worship you now. Amen.